0: This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Jets practice today. Uh, We'll get to that in just a second. That got going at around 11 o'clock. Hopefully we'll be able to bring you guys some audio in the next little bit here. Um, Jets, of course, today holding in support of the True North Youth Foundation, the Winnipeg Jets Gala. Tonight, uh, Tepo Newman Timo team with Solani. Uh, going to be a part of a hot stove there with Sarah Orleski, And then uh, it's all going to lead up to them on the 17th, this coming Thursday, against the Anaheim Ducks, getting inducted into the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame. Today, uh, also, we got Jets tickets to give away as well, which is really, really exciting. I'll let you know when you can call in to win those. Uh, but first, uh, and this is... Uh, the information we're getting from, from Kelly Moore at practice today. Uh, Winnipeg Jets line rushes, uh, Jim. Uh, no Appleton or no DeMello. I, I I don't think that Appleton not being at practice today is, is a surprise, uh, but DeMello kind of um, uh, surprised me today. Yeah, I wonder if he's banged
1: up or – I mean, obviously it he is. Could be a number of things, yeah. but It could be a number of things or just the rest day for a vet or what have you. I, I'm with you. The Appleton one is – is ominous and you you and i were talking about this just before the show about you know his how he left the game in seattle didn't look good and Mm -hmm. again we're not we're not medical experts or doctors we just have opinions on what we think is wrong and (laughs) and even those are wrong opinions so we'll wait and hear from head coach rick bonus who who should be speaking within this hour but um that's not a good sign but it it didn't look good or or sound good either when described by paul and jamie during the broadcast
0: uh no it didn't it didn't um and so it's kind of, it's, it's kind of we're now in a in a in a situation here, uh, where we're kind of looking to uh, wait and see. And it kind of leads to this question. Of course, Nick Ehlers was not out there, uh, which is still consistent with what Rick Bonus said yesterday um, or, or earlier last week. Um, I should say, in terms of uh, yeah, I mean, w- he was going to s- expect him to skate on either Tuesday or Wednesday. Of course, it's Tuesday today. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens with Wednesday. But it, it kind of leads to questions down that right side. We're going to wait and hear what we hear about but mason appleton but if, if ehlers and appleton are out on that right side it leaves a big hole yeah it does on that right
1: side and we were talking a little bit about the d2 and i know you're going to bring this up and and um it's a valid point like do they go do something here and we talked about this it's the mm-hmm. first 20-25 games of the season they have some depth on D, and then, and then do they go make a move who is out there? We yeah. we understand, like from the insiders on both networks and uh, are discussing, I mean, we know that Ottawa is looking for a defenseman with Thomas Shabbat's injury and, and some other things. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk around the fact that once again, with Ottawa looking um, for some pieces right now, that so many contracts include no trades to Canadian markets, all Canadian markets, not just Winnipeg or Ottawa. But I, I don't know, Cam, like it's it's so early in the season. I'm not opposed to even prior to injuries if they can make this team better dealing from some of the depth on D, but yeah. let's just play devil's advocate and say DeMello can't go, Logan Stanley's out. All of a sudden that deep Jets defensive core isn't so deep anymore.
0: Yeah, and that's you know, and this is this is such like a Winnipeg Jets thing, and I and I and I and I've heard um I've heard them talk about this. I've heard Kevin Chevelday talk talked about this. I mean, uh, you know, Craig Heisinger has always spoken about this, about how, how many defensemen. You, you're always going to see the Winnipeg Jets, if they are under the impression that they're going to be making a, a push to make the playoffs, or they're they're very likely going to be in the playoffs, they're going to pick up a couple guys on defense at, at the depth position there. Uh, because there's an idea, and I and I 100% believe this, that especially when you get into a playoff run or, or the chance to make the playoff, you're going to need about eight or nine defensemen, you know, you're going to have to have guys that are going to be in there and can play. And this is sort of where the situation kind of comes to a head here. All of a sudden, this depth that the Winnipeg Jets, and this is why I believe they were so hesitant, because I think you'd see a lot of other teams, they'd see, okay, we got depth here, bang, we're going to make a deal, and we're going to clear that up, and we're going to bring in another piece that we want. The Winnipeg Jets kind of said, okay, let's wait and see what happens. The team is doing pretty well so far, 9-4-1, And at some point in the year, we're going to need depth on the blue line. And that—that's we're 12 games into the season, and that's where we are right now, Jim, already.
1: Well, and so for me, I agree wholeheartedly with you, but it's two different times of the year. Like, if it's January, February, I'm all for augmenting a lineup and going and get stuff. Um, The thing about going into the playoffs is there's the trade deadline. And so everybody – we all know this. Every team tries to load up with defensemen. Um, And then there's this idea that, you know – I don't mind the first 20 games of the the year. The Jets are
0: 14 games into the season, just to correct myself there. Yeah,
1: yeah. so 14 games in. I don't mind 20, 25 games into the season trying to augment your lineup. I I don't know, unless it's clearly going to make you better, I don't know about doing it due to injury at this point in the year. Like, I'm all for, hey, we've got eight healthy defensemen. This forward really, really solidifies us nicely. I'll, I'll do that deal. I don't know if you sit here and go, well, wow, with Appleton out and stuff, let's deal a D-man and bring somebody in because you, you think that they're going to be back in a month or two. Mm-hmm. And and so it's just a different mindset. But like I say, in March, I'm all for, hey, load up, do what you have to do. This is the trajectory you're on. It's real tough to do it right now. So I don't know what they do. Like, they've sort of sustained this, lost in all of this as Nick Ehlers still isn't skating, but we yeah. are told that he could skate this week if you can get him back. Is this kind of injuries with DeMello and Appleton, the kind of thing that, you know, with Ehlers coming back maybe in a week, if we could just get through three or four games and then we'll, we'll add a piece yeah. while while waiting another six games for the other guys to come back? Or is it something they know that is going to be long-term and, and they have to replace Mason Appleton? Yeah, I, how I don't comf- know.
0: How confident are the Jets with Nick Ehlers' injury? I mean, they're being so cautious with this. I mean, how, how confident are they that he's going to come back and I'm assuming that's why they're being so cautious is they want to make sure that it's not just 100%. It's, it's exactly where it needs to be. It's back to 100% health here.
1: Well, I would, I would definitely, you know, give him all the time he needs. As you said, we're at game 14. But yeah. the other side of this, Cam, is, you know, it was initially day-to-day, and I didn't buy that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now that we've heard that it's taken longer than just the week-to-week is Rick Bonus saying, it's healing, it's getting better. It's just not healing as fast as we thought it would. When I hear that, I think of the risk of potential more injury. I think of even if it's a hundred percent the fact that it took so long to, to heal, if it gets damaged again maybe two months from now, it could be more long term yeah. so i but look, I think the minute he's a hundred percent healthy, he'll be back, and mm-hmm. it's not the playoff time it's not you know they're nine, four and one. It's time that okay, he's good to go between today and, and Thursday, like I'm I'm talking when he is ready. He's not, Mm uh, I'll I'll, let's do it on Saturday. I'm on that boat. Like give him an extra two days, even though he's ready, get him, you know, to the point, but I'm, you know, he hasn't started skating yet. And once he starts to skate, it's going to be a couple days minimum, maybe an entire week, no contact to see how that
0: works. You know, that sort of thing. So
1: I, you know, it's just, it's an interesting time Because if Appleton doesn't go down, we don't even discuss this, but with Appleton down and, you know, Morgan Barron out for another couple weeks, and now Ehlers still isn't back, that's three starting forwards for you, and all in the top nine. Yeah. You know, uh, Morgan Barron, whatever, bottom four, but you get what I'm saying, and and so I kind of wonder, like, again, it's all about timelines for me, and I I would assume these discussions have already taken place before Rick Bonus sits down today, but It's all the kind of discussions around, this is what we're looking at. If each guy is two to three weeks, but if there's one of these guys, which Morgan Barron is for a while, well, we've got Jansen Harkins. We can sustain that. Yeah. If Nick Ehlers starts skating again, and if and when, and then it still doesn't look good, and now Appleton's out for an extended period of time, I don't care what you say about Appleton. He's looked okay in the top six. Uh, when the roster is healthy i don't have him in the top 6 but he's done an admirable job of yeah
0: there. i mean that's not that's not his role on yeah. the
1: team so i i my point to this is is now you're going to go even a couple more weeks with two guys out of your top 6 i i don't know like yeah. Monts up you could look at the moose but i also think you start you know putting the line in the water and start trolling and seeing what's out there
0: yeah i mean it it, it and this is all so um it's all just kind of sitting around and waiting for, you know, what we're going to hopefully hear about Mason Appleton in a little bit. Um, you know, how close is Ehlers? If he starts skating tomorrow, this is a completely different story. And maybe the Jets are just have to go against the Ducks and, and maybe another game or something before that that sort of solidifies. And this sort of thing is just going to happen over, over the course of the season. Uh, the lineup looked uh, Connor, Shifley, Gagne, On the top line, second line, uh, stayed the same, Perfetti, uh, Dubois, Ehlers, uh, Janssen, Fialabi, Lowry, and uh, Harkins, uh, uh, Mikey Essamon moving back in uh, on right wing there um, during line rushes, and then Tononato, Gustafsson, and And on the fourth line. um, Defensemen all over the place, but Morrissey, Pionk, Dylan Schmidt, uh, Sandberg, Kapo, Bianco, the the guys out there. Hellebuck also not on the ice, but uh, he put in a session with Wade Flaherty about an hour before practice, so you have to think that um, that was what kept him off. Uh, as well got a text message here 204-780-6868 204-780-6868 scott says uh christian reichel yeah Who, well, I, I don't know how his game last year. yeah how far has he moved down the the depth chart? i know i know kelly's been been always on uh, the christian reichel camp I, I know kelly likes him a lot but um i mean how far is he down the depth chart like where, where does where does he sort of slot into this
1: well i think he moved up with um vesselainen going back to europe Uh, Mm -hmm. I think definitely he impressed last year. He had two points in 13 games, a goal. This year he's got four points in 10 games with the Moose. Um, I think he's an option for sure. Brad Lambert just got back. I I hate to even say that name because I think there's a bunch of people that would love to see Lambert in the NHL, but I don't think he's NHL ready. No, not yet. But uh, he just got back in the lineup with the Moose, I believe, on the weekend. So like I said, there's options here, and, and I'm all about Christian Reichel. If we're talking about a week to two weeks, I think if there's two forwards like Appleton and and Morgan Barron and you add in Ehlers is another two weeks away, mm-hmm. I, I start looking. I, I, I just see what's out there. doesn't mean you have to do something or make something happen, but like I said, I, you got three in your top nine, two that have been playing in your top six out. If it's for an extended period of time, and I, I think this team's done a fabulous job without Nick Ehlers. I, I don't know if we've talked enough about, because they have been successful at 9-4-1, yeah. and one, how important he is. He was going to be a bigger piece than ever this year in the top line. And the power play, we've seen how that has struggled. Um, I I think that they've done admirably, but I just don't know how you can keep going further and further into the season with teams finding their legs, getting better into their own systems and stuff without him. So now you're not going to find an Ehlers, I don't think right now in a trade market. No. But my point is, is if there's a top six guy out there, if there's a team with cap trouble, if there's a team that needs D-men, I, I, I start trolling for this, but Christian Reichel is an option for sure. There, the, the good thing is, is there are these options for you know, up to yeah. two weeks. I think on the moose. If anything's past two weeks without two guys in your top six, I think you should be looking.
0: Yeah. Um, this texter says two zero four seven eight zero. Hey, didn't you just list Ehlers on the line with PLD? If I did, that was a total mistake. I uh, meant to say Wheeler. I think that's what snuck in there. Um, and let's take let's take a break here. Let's let's head to let's well let's head to a break here. We'll come back. There's lots to talk about. Hey, what what makes a Hall of Famer? Text the show 204-780-6868. Great this question. is a question we are always asking ourselves. Uh, here as well. And, and and just a quick text message. This texter says, is, is Eilers now looking like one of those fragile players that can't stay in the roster? I don't like to uh, classify somebody as injury-prone or fragile. I, there, I've seen so many instances. You know, in Zach Caleros, I know it's a totally different sport, and he kind of had that on him, and we haven't had any issues yet. You see guys, they just get, they just get injured for whatever reason, and then they have long careers, they, they play... You know, But, you know, is Nick Ehlers going to be an 82-game-a-season guy? Maybe not. But if he can be there for 70, 75, I, mean, I think that's a perfect spot for
1: him. I, I'm with you on that. We can get into this after the break, yeah. too. But I, I'm just – I think a better question is, is can you move him for somebody equally as good and who will stay healthy?
0: We'll be right you back. You don't know that. So, yeah. we'll
1: you keep, Ehlers is dynamic.
0: We'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. Yeah, things are amping up here pretty quickly um, after this little uh, couple days off and before our next one. Uh, got a gala tonight, you know. Make sure you're cleaned up for that and ready to rock. It uh, Should be an exciting time. And uh, you know, I think the next two days is just about. Uh, we didn't go through any video today, just to kind of get ourselves up and on the ice. And, and you know, when you're traveling a bunch, and you know, like we will be doing, uh, you're gonna you're gonna need days. You're gonna look back and, and happy that you had days like today. Yeah, Nate Schmidt there, uh, making a great point here. This is something I was looking at yesterday, but I I totally forgot uh, heading into today, Jim, about how uh, crazy the Winnipeg Jets schedule is going to turn as we head in towards Christmas. Uh, They're going to be playing 20 games in 33 days. Um, They won't have two days off in a row uh, until uh, Christmas Eve coming up here as well. Um, and, and over that time, that's going to involve uh, one, two, three, uh, three, three back to backs. Uh, so sandwiched in there uh, in the month of December, heading into uh, Christmas Eve there.
1: Yeah, and, you know, especially this week, it starts on yeah. Thursday with the Anaheim game where they're playing every second day. Yeah. And there's travel in there. So home at Anaheim and then Pittsburgh on Saturday and then uh, Carolina on Monday. Then they hit the road. Minnesota, day off. Dallas, day off. Chicago, day off. Back home, Colorado. I, I often think that that's, you know, when you're playing – over 10 days in a row with a game every second day and travel involved. That's just as difficult as a back to back quite often. So, yeah, but it is what it is. And that's why it's very important that they've sort of made some hay where there was hay to be made.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that yep. an actual saying? I think it is. I think there's he, when he, there's he,
1: hay to get got. You gotta got to get in the hay. We,
0: we, uh, you know, everyone's going to get got, but I got to get mine before I get got, though, which is one of the greatest ever. Get uh, Make lines the hay. ever. Marshawn Lynch, just an absolute wordsmith. One of the greatest uh, quotes of all time.
1: Every Every Manitoba farmer right now is going, get this city slicker off the air. Uh, <laughs> you got to get you know hay what when I'm the saying. sunshine makes yeah. hay, you know what I mean? When but, the sun's up, you get out of the kitchen. But, I mean, that's, I mean, that's that's
0: as something. important as this, this you know, 9-4-1 start to the year has been. I mean, first in the central right now because things are just going to get tougher uh, down the stretch and it's going to be a real tough schedule for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but this is this is an NHL schedule. This is what they got to deal with. They've had... Uh, I don't wouldn't call it easing in. They had a heck of a of a start in terms of opponents to get going uh, in the season. I wouldn't describe it as an easing in, but they've had time to work on things and gel and practice and stuff like that. And there, there's not going to be a lot of that coming up here as we head into December.
1: No, and I think it's going to be a long run for Connor Hellebuck here. Yeah. I, I think that he's going to get the Anaheim game on Thursday. I think he's going to get Pittsburgh Saturday. I think he's going to get Carolina on Monday. I think he's going to get the Minnesota and Dallas game on Wednesday, Friday. And then I think Dave Riddich maybe gets the Blackhawks on the 27th. And Connor Hellbuck comes home and gets the Colorado Avalanche to wrap up the month of November on the 29th. So it's going to be a long stretch for him. And I like what Nate Schmidt had to say there. There will come a time where – and this is the mental part of yeah. the, the the balancing of a schedule, is you have to make the most of this time. And And by make the most of it, like you said, there's a gala. We get cleaned up for this. It's not about like it's spend the time with your family now or if you enjoy fishing on the ice, there's no ice, I don't think, on on many
0: lakes right now. <laughs> there might be so. some, but you put you shouldn't be on <laughs> it. But my yeah, yeah
1: don't get off but my point is do what you need to do to relax, like to rest. Because if you don't and you run around doing a bunch of stuff this these two or three days, then when the next two and a half weeks unravels, then you're just running around doing playing hockey games as well. So it's just part of the grind. I think they're balance it out. I thought they did it very well through the first part of the schedule. They've mm-hmm. got to use this downtime to practice, get healthy, and then get back at it right here, as you said, because it is going to be a drive into Christmas Eve, and, and there's not a lot of rest. There's another back-to-back coming up in the second week of December, and there's another one right before Christmas to go into that break on the 22nd and 23rd. There's some home games there take advantage of this next two days to be, make sure you get through the next two weeks and then get into December.
0: Yeah. And four road trips in there too. So there's, it's going to be back, a couple games, back, a couple games and all, and all that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be tough. And we're going to see what the Winnipeg Jets are made up over that time period. Anyways, we ask uh, heading into the break, uh, what makes a hall of famer? And, they, and this is a question. I, I don't think that anyone has a real clear answer to Eddie texts the show. And, and Eddie says, Eddie here, a hall of famer shows consistency. Over the years, and and that's certainly one of the aspects into that. Is it? But it leads into this. Is it all about stats? Is it how they impacted the game on and off the ice? Is it about how well and how they performed in the playoffs? How many cups they got? How many gold medals did they pull in? Did they? Or 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 is it all just about the regular season and how they performed over that eighty-two game schedule? As well, is it? Is it your character? That sort of brings you into becoming a Hall of Famer, and and, and I see the guys who are inducted, and we'll just take a look at the, at the players here and the the NHL players, the Sedin's, Henrik and Daniel, uh, Roberto Longo and, and Daniel Alfredson. Um, I, I look at Roberto Longo, I look at his stats, and I uh, particularly, um, you know, in, in terms of his his play in the regular season absolutely 100 percent second in games played fourth in wins um seventh in, in all-time save percentage I mean those are numbers that you know over 19 seasons they're going to bring you into the hall of fame um the Sadines, um you know certainly not slouches um over 1300 games each uh o- both of them over a uh, thousand points um you know obviously not that great in the, in the playoffs that's been something that's dogged them forever but you know I I in in I, I, I wonder and I look at the cities and I and I look at their numbers and I say, I are they Hall of Famers probably closer yes to no. Obviously a lot of people with a lot bigger hockey knowledge have definitely considered them to be Hall of Famers, you know, first ballot guys. But should they be first ballot? Or should they have been first ballot Hall of Famers? I'm not so sure about that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I look, do I think they're Hall of Fame players? Probably. Yeah. Uh, do I have a problem that they went... This is how I kind of... De- do I have a problem if you're in or not? Um, and so I don't have a problem with them going in. It, to me, there's two stipulations here. It's if you play a 1,000 games and you, and you have a 1,000 points. If you have a 1,000 points, I think you should be considered. If you've played a 1,000 games, I think you should be considered in what role you had. If you have both, which the Sedines do, I think you should be highly considered. And so they are, and they're in, and I don't have a problem with it, but... If they didn't go in this year, I wouldn't be sitting here banging the drums. The Sardines had to go into the Hall of Fame. And that's kind of how I feel about them. There are players that have gone in that, and I, I'm, I can't think of one off the top of my head, that I'm like, I don't think that's it. Like the whole Paul Henderson debate, I, I, I get the goal. And I get yeah. that he scored several goals in that series for Canada. And not just the goal, but key ones. But he's not a Hall of Fame player to me. Like, if that goal and that moment wants to go into the Hall of Fame, I'm fine with it. And mm-hmm. and I've met Paul Henderson several times. He's the most genuine, nicest person you could ever meet. But I don't think he had a Hall of Fame hockey career. Mm-hmm. And I am I feel bad saying that, but I don't. The Sedins, I do. So I go a 1,000 points, 1,000 games. And if you have both, then you should be highly considered. If you have one, then I look at your role. Um. So I don't have a problem with them, Luongo. I don't have a problem with anybody in this class yeah. whatsoever. What I have a problem with... Is like I'm looking at next year, and why isn't Alexander McGillivray? That is one. He's got a thousand and thirty-two points. It makes no in, sense it in makes 990 no sense. games. So he's ten games off a thousand, but he's more than a point a game player. He has a thousand and thirty-two points in 990 games, and then I look at 473 goals. He's 28 goals away from 500. He scored a thousand points, and he did it in under a thousand games. To me, I think that's Hall of Fame. And I look at this class. Like, do, are you telling me that the Sedin's are that better of a hockey player than Alexander McGillney was? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, and I'm not bashing the Sedin's. I just explained. I'm fine with them going in. I think they should have been Hall of Famers. I'm just wondering about first ballot. But Alexander McGilney at this point, and I look at the class next year, Cam, and I'm just like, McGilney should be fired in there first overall next year.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, the, the one that you definitely, I mean, Hendrik Lundquist is going to go in.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And like, a first no ballot doubt.
0: one. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But, the, but like, that's where I kind of, like, it, I don't, I didn't get that feeling from the Sedines. I didn't go like, yeah, 100% first balloters. I, I didn't get that feeling. That doesn't, you know, this is just one man's opinion, but I just didn't get that opinion. Uh, that that thought didn't pop into my head. Like, yeah, they definitely 100 percent should be in there. Over time, yeah, I absolutely do. But I mean, do we go? Are we getting into semantics? You're like, Hendrik Zetterberg's not in there yet.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the the prime example for S- the Sedin's and what you brought up about yeah. playoffs. Justin Williams is eligible next year. Justin Williams played 1,264 games. So once yeah. you get past a thousand again, I think you should be considered. He had 797 points. 320 goals. Now, is he a better all round hockey player than the Sedins? No way. But come playoff time, like Justin Williams, I'm sorry, even for his 1,264 career games, isn't going into the Hall of Fame if he goes in yeah. for longevity. Yeah, He's going in for being money in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He has 102 points in 162 playoff games. He's scored how many Game 7 goals in series and game winners for Stanley Cups. He was there in the playoffs. So that's when I go, once you're at 1,000 games, then I look at your role. And I'm not arguing for Justin Williams to be a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying, to your point about the Sedins did phenomenal stuff, Hall of Fame, games and numbers, but playoff time, blah, 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 blah. Justin Williams, longevity for sure, solid NHL player for, for that long. Not the points that would get you into the Hall of Fame, but then you look at his role. And role time, I think you know, pushes them in. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw two names at you here for next year. One of them is Dustin Bufflin's eligible. (laughs) I did see that. 869 games played, 525 points, 1,094 penalty minutes. Come playoff time, in 66 playoff games, with a Stanley Cup championship ring, he's got 50 points in 66 games. Then you add in. So I don't think those are, I think those are, discussed Hall of Fame numbers. I don't think those are Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah. But then you add in he was the most unique player in the National Hockey League. He won the Stanley Cup moving to forward in season, not at the start, in season, went to forward because the Blackhawks were too deep on D and he made that big of an impact in a Stanley Cup run. Mm-hmm. So the uniqueness, not Hall of Fame numbers in games played or points, although for a defenseman to score five hundred and twenty five points in eight hundred plus games is pretty impressive. Hmm. But then you add in his role. And I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer. I, I don't think he's a first ballot, but he's a unique player that was unseen and, and has yet to be seen again in the National Hockey League.
0: And it comes back to that conversation. Like what what is it that it you know, what, what makes what makes a Hall of Famer? I mean, like I go back to Henrik Henrik Zetterberg, you know, he Stanley Cup 2008, Conn Smythe 2008, you know, Rookie of the Year, um, you know, was was a guy who showed up in the playoffs, 120 points, 137 games in the playoffs. I know he was on some really really good Detroit Red Wings teams, but you know, it, 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 there's there's so, many, <laughs> there's so many there's so many there's so many variables uh, in this, and, and somebody says it's because. Mullen, um, um it's because McGillney is is Russian. I'm I, I'm not I'm not sure about that. I don't know if the numbers exactly well, in front of me. That, about how many Russians are, are in the hall are in the hockey hall of fame. I don't have that in front of me. I can find it out really
1: I wonder about that. There's Russians in the Hall oh, of there, Fame. there's one are. being considered next year. I it's about I wonder if it's about the defected. Because globally, like what he did at that time um was highly I don't want to say illegal, but I mean <laughs> He deserted <laughs> yeah, at a World it. Junior Tournament. Like, yeah. he didn't get on a bus. And he showed up a couple of days later, I believe, in Seattle. Uh, so I wonder globally if there's any political pressure on that that we're still not happy about how that happened. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just throwing this out there. But I remember his story is quite controversial. Mm-hmm. But I think that adds to his Hall of Fame numbers. Like, to to what he did at that time for hockey, for hockey itself, for him to play in the National Hockey League... And you can't put this into context to some newer generations, but he never knew he was going to see his family again. He never knew if he'd be able to go home again. And he still wanted to play in the NHL that bad. Yeah. And so then you add up the numbers and I just go, like back then I know it was controversial and, and some people shunned on it, others didn't. I just think that, you know, that, is that not a love for hockey?
0: Yeah. Uh, this this texture here uh, JV says I agree with McGillney the guy had an amazing career and doing it with a total fear of flying uh, that was really difficult while playing for the for the Canucks. Uh, that's news to me. I didn't know he was uh, afraid of fa- flying there. But uh,
1: yeah, I just think his numbers alone, he should yeah. go in. No, but I, I agree. Here is my other name I want to throw at you, and this is gonna. You better step back oh, for the microphone.
0: You know, Dustin Bufflin is an interesting. I don't think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Not Hall of Fame numbers, but it's an interesting thought because of how unique he is. Now, okay, now now set me on fire here, Jim Toth. Don't Blade- say it.
1: Blake Wheeler has 1,060 games played. This
0: is exactly
1: okay. He has 877 points. He's having a good year. He's, he's not g- done yet. He's not done yet. This year, he's got 10 points in 14 games. So let's just say he gets another 50 points this year. And that's low balling it, but 50 yeah. points in 82 games. He'll be into the 920 some. He's got another year in his contract. And at 38, I don't know. I don't know if another team does or if the Jets offer him a one-year minimum. What his plans are, he might just walk away. But he might have another year to put up 60 points to get to 1,000. This, this is the point I'm trying to make. Now, I, 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 and, I, and I want to preference this because people are going to go, oh, you love Wheeler. <laughs> okay. I'm not proposing this. I'm not proposing this. The numbers have not been reached yet. Okay. But at 1,060 games now, and should he get to 1,000 points, that's my criteria.
0: Once you get both, you should be considered. Now, this is the thought that I had, and we'll go to a break here, and I'll I'll, I'll leave you with this thought. And I was looking at the Sedins and their numbers, and and considering the playoffs, and I I don't think that Blake Wheeler has had the impact on the game off the ice, necessarily that perhaps the Sedins have in the community and and all that sort of thing. I'm not, I'm not saying that Blake Wheeler isn't a good um, steward for the Winnipeg Jets and a a big community guy. I a hundred percent believe that, but maybe, but not to the extent of the Sedins. But I looked at those numbers and the first thought that came into my head, if you see Blake Wheeler play another two, three years in this league, which are, which is very possible. He's having a great year so far and he hits those numbers. Shouldn't he also be in the Hall of Fame? If the Sadines are first balloters, I don't think because of who they are they get into the ba- they get in on first ballot. I don't think Blake Wheeler would ever be a first ballader, but how? But couldn't you make that argument for him?
1: Any player who plays a thousand games and gets a thousand points should be considered. And I'm not saying first ballot. I'm not saying they should go in. I'm saying they should be considered. Mm-hmm. He's at a thousand games already, and he's a hundred and thirty three points off, or a hundred and twenty three points off. 123 points off 1,000 points. And he's got 10 points in 14 games this year. Pro rate that. That's another 60-some points.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With a year left on an active contract, he'll have to get 60 to 70 points to reach 1,000. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.